Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and actually, Lord Commander Ulrich was not able to join me today due to the recent birth of his daughter and his new fatherly duties. So instead, I brought back my pal, Stevie Julian, to keep me company. How you doing today, Stevie? I mean, I feel like that question is always loaded, because it's like you could get really like into like how you're doing and stuff. Or you could be like, uh, okay, I don't really want to talk about it, so I'm just going to say okay. So I'm going to go with okay. <laughs> so don't want to talk about it. I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, although if you ever did want to answer that question, honestly, I'm also fine with that. But I'm an open person. So anyway, today we're here to discuss music. Uh, Steve and I have come prepared to talk about some albums that are new and new-ish. I mean, uh, you're here to talk about three from, what, 2017, and I'm talking yeah. about uh 2018 and 2016 so before we begin why don't we give a, a little bit of an intro into our music taste so that you know what you're working with uh stevie what would you say are your influences and beginnings and whatnot uh i mean it's gonna change i am pretty sure like by like where a person is in their life and stuff because i know it's definitely changed for me but uh i generally look for things that have some kind of like emotional core to them in some way um I mean, that or they have to be something a little different, something trying, something new. Those so are like, like... I was just like maybe a little more experimental stuff. I mean, yeah, that's probably why I like Death Grips so much. So Death Grips? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but... well, what would you say is like your influence, though? Like what, what, what is the... Um... I said, what is the beginnings of your music taste? Because I feel like everyone well, gets shaped by early music tastes, so... Uh, well, if we're talking about, like, uh, my environment... My environment consisted of like 80s pop music and country. So that was like all the music that was ever played like when I was a kid. So I do remember really... you Yeah, I do remember you telling a joke about knowing every Madonna song even though you yeah. didn't really didn't. <laughs> yeah, Austin called me out on that once and about halfway through like like a prayer or some bullshit he's like I get it. We're good. I don't I don't want <laughs> to I don't want to hear any more of this. I'm like you asked for this motherfucker. You so, asked for this. <laughs> so you grew up around music you did like. <laughs> well, the 80s stuff, I, I didn't mind. Like the one-hit wonders and stuff. Like I don't think anyone can really complain about that. Partly because um, all of the one-hit wonders are so different from one another. It's like, hey, yeah, it's a little bit of variety. Which, that was like the stuff like I, I kind of stuck, stuck to. And I wasn't like, yeah, let's listen to that country music. That's what I want. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't about that. But like. Two of my first albums that I actually like bought were uh, um, the Eminem Show and uh, Good News for People Who Love Bad News. Um, so Modest Mouse and Eminem's that should give you a little bit of like diversity of of music taste right there. I, I think that's a good way to uh, contextualize it. Like for me, the easiest way to contextualize it is that the very first song I remember, the very first song I remember, like being conscious of as a song you know i'm not counting like when you're a baby and you're hearing melodies but like one of my oldest memories is being in the car and master of puppets by metallica was playing on the radio or not the radio like the cassette that my mother had so like that shaped me pretty hardcore early on so when i was in high school it, i was a pretty snobbish about i mostly listen i listen to almost exclusively 70s rock and 80s metal like I don't, I to this day I don't consider myself moved into a new house until my door-sized Led Zeppelin poster goes up on my bedroom door. So that's the best way to classify like my influences. I've I've breached 
branched out a lot, especially since I got to college. Like I, I'm into most, I can find something in any genre of music I like. Like I used to say I didn't like rap and country, but I like old country like Patsy Cline and I like Kendrick Lamar. So I, I would say that I'm not nearly as um stuck up about it as I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's an important thing to not like limit yourself based on your previous biases of like, oh, well, this music did me wrong in the past, so I, I can't ever listen to it again. Like, it's all about, like, just giving it a chance in a lot of ways, like trying new things. Because, like, I listened to an album, um, a death metal album that was actually pretty good, uh, Portal by Ion. It was pretty good. Hmm. Well, speaking of trying new things, the first album that we have on the docket to talk about was one I had not heard of, but you recommended to me. The album is called Saturation 3 by the, I don't know if you want to call it a band or a group, but Brock Hampton. They <laughs> identify as a boy band, actually. It, it's funny, because listening to the album, I only heard one song that I would consider boy bandish, at least by my knowledge of what a boy band is. But do you yeah, want to give us some I assume, background? I would, assume, I would assume Team is uh, the one you were talking about. Yeah, it's Team. <laughs> uh, well, I mean... I uh, I only recently got into them because I don't have a whole lot of background for for different for the albums I'm going to necessarily uh, talk about. But like what I did this year is I've been wanting to get more into music, so I I gave myself kind of a fun uh, New Year's resolution of listening to new albums and trying to listen to as many as I can um, mm -hmm. that are like interesting to me. And I'm up to like mid 30s um, of albums this year, so I'm actually like kind of keeping good with my word of of getting into more music and stuff and but the 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 main thing i could like talk about a little bit though uh brock hampton uh the reason why their albums were called saturation is because they wanted to saturate uh the like music market with their stuff like that was the whole idea was to saturate mm -hmm. it because they released three albums last year saturation yeah. one two and three and all three of the albums are pretty close in quality um i purposely pick saturation three because i feel like it's the weakest of the albums but that's not to say that it's anywhere near a bad album um there's there's a lot of interesting influences in in the in the album as well because you can kind of tell that each member has like slight differences uh in what influences them and stuff because there's like 12 members so yeah there's like a lot of diversity there in what they do and stuff and it's it's pretty interesting like i don't know um did you you only listen to it like once did you have okay any... here's the thing about about this exercise because me and you knew we were going to talk about so ulrich told me specifically that the music episode is one he wasn't particularly uh, equipped for so that's why we decided to do this one while he was uh, out with uh, his, his father duties so i found out um in this exercise that while i i like music i like a lot of different kinds of music i am not the kind of person who just likes to sit down and listen to music so every album i listened to once while i was doing something like playing a game or something just to get a, a kind of you know first impression and then i just sat down with a word pad open and took notes on each song as i listened to it and while i was fine listening to these albums while i was doing something trying to take or trying to like just just listen to them notes aside felt kind of like work <laughs> yeah and so that's a little frustrating for me uh yeah i wasn't exactly sure 
what I should do. So I basically, um, for each of the six albums, I put each song into like a stronger category, like a nothing new or what I expected category or like a weaker category. Something just didn't like stand out or like was just kind of lackluster in a lot of ways. And that's kind of how I did it. This way I could like talk about individual songs. So I'm assuming you did something similar. I I did. I took notes on each song and then I did a general thoughts afterwards to, to, to mostly be the thing I wanted to talk about. But since you're the one who recommended this album to me, why don't you start with your, your general thoughts on, on saturation three by Brock Well, I feel like the overall album flow is pretty good uh, with the exception of, okay. The first two songs are kind of bangers in a lot of ways, like boogie for sure. Boogie is like the, like the biggest banger. Boogie was Boogie was my favorite song on the album, so um, that's definitely one of the stronger ones. But then Zipper is another like type of banger in some ways because it has like those like piano and horn samples, and it has like sirens, and it's like I don't know, it's kind of like circus music, but it's like really enjoyable. And so it goes from like those two bangers to like uh, two of the weaker songs, in my opinion, the uh, Liquid and Johnny, and part of the reason why i feel like they're weaker is because of the fact that the tempo is so jarring but other than that i feel like the tempo of the album is pretty like consistent or at least uh consistent and moving in a certain direction i do have written down that uh johnny has a relaxed beat while i refer to zipper as having almost video game music (laughs) so my uh my favorite song on this album is actually sister nation and that song has like three or four tonal shifts like well you know i actually have written down that i thought sister nation was interesting because it feels like four songs kind of mash together yeah uh, it's no it's it's definitely like i remember i i kind of like watched uh anthony fantano's review of like all of the albums that he had a review for too just so i had like some other like idea of like what to talk about and stuff which by the way anthony fantano to anyone's listening who doesn't know is called the internet's mute internet's busiest music nerd for a reason and if you're looking for general reviews and like uh albums he's a he's a good first bet i think he's the most popular music reviewer on youtube so it's probably not any news melon melon. yeah anyway go Um, ahead but like i was like uh seeing like how he would go with reviews and stuff too because i mean i've watched some of his reviews but it's kind of like kind of hard to like think about like an album and like talk about just an album for like 10 minutes because i mean he does that like every day um but something that's interesting about uh, Saturation 3, on the song Zipper, uh, one of the guy's lines, uh, Merlin, uh, he says, um, uh, that was clean Tony Fantano. He was, actually, yeah. he was actually talking to Anthony Fantano, the guy that reviews their albums. Like, that's pretty interesting that they're aware. <laughs> they're aware of him and they know that he does reviews enough yeah. that they put him in a fucking song. <laughs> like, he actually s- says that in his review. He's like, and this song has my name in it. <laughs> so, uh, well, 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 listening to this, I was looking up lyrics so that I didn't have to, like, you know, try to just guess. And, uh, you know, I kept seeing the names of the people who were doing the the verses. And, like, I felt like three names that popped out most. Uh, Marlon, Kevin Joba, and Kevin Abstract. Uh, Joba a few times, but the ones I kept seeing were Matt Champion, Merlin Wood, and Kevin Abstract. And I found Kevin Abstract generic for me personally i don't like matt chap 
champion, except on Sister Nation. He was really good on Sister Nation. But I liked almost everything Merlin Wood did. Like, his voice is kind of weird, but it's really fun. Yeah. Actually, Saturation 3, uh, this is the, the album that Joba actually has the most influence in. Like, you won't hear as much Joba as you did in um, in 3 as you do in 1 or 2, which oh is a little bit of information. Also, the song Hottie is probably their, like, best, like, poppy song. But it, I don't know, the song, I, I really like that song as well because it's kind of like a feel-good song in a lot of ways. And Merlin has another great line there. He goes... Man, I wish I had a rocket. Wish I ain't feel microscopic. It's like, okay, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> well, that's another thing too. I don't think we really touched on this, but so Brockhampton is a self-identified boy band who I think sounds more like a rap outfit than a boy band, with the exception of one song. So this is probably more for that kind of listener, right? Which I think is why the album generally didn't do too well for me. Like, I don't know, I, it just, I found most of the songs, with a few exceptions, like Boogie, Zipper, and Sister Nation, I found most of them kind of dull, personally, but I don't think that's the album's fault. I think it's just because of the kind of music that I'm into. So yeah. I, tried, I tried to, like, find what was interesting uh, about them that's outside of my taste, like, for instance, Merlin Woods versus, and the fact that the whole album, to me, seems to have this through-line uh, about depression and ego and how those two things are very interconnected. W would you say that's pretty accurate? Uh, I mean, I feel like it's kind of on a member of my member base. It's in a lot of ways. I, I don't know if it's exactly fair to, I mean, in some ways, yes, but um, one, an another interesting thing about the band, they actually paint themselves blue. Um, like I saw an interview and Job was like the way, the way he feels about it. Cause he, wasn't saying he could talk about like the rest of the group and stuff, but um, the way he feels about it is that it's like it's identifying that they're one, and it's not like they're separate. It's not like they're separate acts. They're all one act because they paint themselves blue, and it's able to like get past like grace and shit, and it just kind of like unifies them, which I think is like a really cool thing to do. Certainly, although it does raise the blue man group comparison, <laughs> so it's probably yeah. not a, not accurate, but it's you know it's gonna be there. So. I, I did notice that, you know, because when I was listening to it, right, and I didn't think of it as a boy band, when I, the I think it, it was song number four or something like that, that I realized, no, song number six. So it took me six songs to realize that one of the main singers, and I don't know which one, is like gay, and that that was like a oh, big yeah, part Kevin of Oh, yeah, Kevin Abstract. It was Kevin Abstract? Okay, but that he was gay, and that was a big part of like what he was rapping about. And I admit, I'm not a huge rap fan, but that still is something that like, I don't remember hearing artists like that. I mean, I know they exist, but not really in the mainstream. Like those are more fringe things. So like that was just inherently kind of neat. I thought yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, it's different than what you normally hear. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I could also give like uh, some suggestions of like other stuff uh, from them. If you had particular questions, like they have other, like more, boy bandy type songs from like saturation one and two um and stuff like that um if that would be an interest but i i just like the fact that they're pretty diverse in what they do in well a lot of ways. also when i say that the album feels like it has this thematic through line of depression and ego like i could go through a number of the songs that i've written down that fall into that but like the best example of that is 
the final song team the one that sounds boy bandish except that it ends with like the four people like joba matt champion merlin wood and kevin abstract all doing a verse that it, all doing a separate verse that separately seem to be about why each of them like they're singing about themselves being terrible and why they shouldn't exist and or are dying in the song so like mm-hmm. the final song is about each person dying <laughs> like that just seemed very yeah uh, intentionally anticlimactic as an ending and i thought that was super fascinating it's, it's definitely their weakest of the three albums um for endings but yeah that i don't know i think they have a better handle of Rockhampton now did you translate the Spanish? Because there's three tracks on this album called Cinema 1, 2, and 3 that are completely in Spanish, and they're just like spoken word stuff. Uh, mm. Did you translate them? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't either. I was hoping you would. <laughs> no. I figured you were more into it than I was. <laughs> no, I I was just like, eh, whatever. I, I didn't want to deal with it. Um, <laughs> generally, with all their music videos, the guy will be like, yeah, I'm a Roberto, and then he'll like say something. Like in the the song Star from Saturation One, uh, he just says like every one of his spoken word things is in Spanish, but he says his name's Robert and he wants to be famous, and then hmm. like, it'll change based on a song by song basis. But that's like with, at the beginning of every uh, music video, which is is interesting. It's an interesting way to start the videos. Yeah, I will say, and uh, I almost feel kind of bad bringing up the like the fact that it's it's got a, a you know gay rapper, but. But the fact is that they bring it up a bunch. The song Stains oh, yeah. has this line that I thought was really great where I don't know who's singing it, but he says he's talking about the band in the verse. And he says, the one gay, the one selling drugs, the one that's trying to act like Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one is apparently trying to act like Lil Wayne, but like they're aware of what they're doing. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. No, they're they're very self-aware. I know one of his... Uh, who's Bareface? He's apparently the only one on... He's only on team. I mean, you said they got like twelve. Uh, yeah, people. Bareface. Bareface doesn't really make an appearance on Tree that much. Um, he's one of the like less member. One of the members that isn't as in the forefront. I would say the ones that isn't are that mainly a... in the forefront would be like Kevin Abstract, Joba, uh, Joba Moore with Tree, uh, Merlin. I think that's a great name for like a, you know because boy band members always have like they have regular names and they have some like title right something about a boy band member named bareface it just tickles my fancy <laughs> it's it's such an interesting idea <laughs> but um uh, oh, also ahead. to touch on um to touch on kevin abstract dropping about being gay there's a song in saturation 2 called junkie and it says why you always rap about being gay because not enough niggas rap about being gay <laughs> like and then he just like goes on saying like more shit about that and it's very prevalent it's it's like he completely identifies with it and he doesn't want people to not know which i i think that's really awesome that you are like going to not let other people deter you from identifying as something that you are damn right i feel like for me personally the weakest aspect of the album and maybe the band as a whole is i looked up his name amir vaughn who uh Every time he sings, it sounds exactly the same, and that was kind of frustrating. <laughs> so, yeah, that's. I mean, with twelve members, you're likely to have one member this week. So, yeah, I suppose so. But anyway, we've talked about 
Uh, I think we've talked about uh, Brockhampton uh, enough. So unless you've got closing no, statements. No I'm, no, I'm good. Okay, well then uh, the first album that I recommended is uh, 2018's You're Not Alone by Andrew W.K. And this album, I mean, other than the fact that I got it, I listen to it in my car a lot, so I adore it. Uh, I actually went and saw Andrew W.K. Uh, live in concert like a few weeks ago, and it was probably the best experience at a concert I've been to. I haven't been to too many concerts, admittedly, but still it was fantastic. So I get to compare the album to what he's like live, and I normally, I've always been a, a proponent of the idea that like live music, especially on albums always struck me as kind of weird you know well, not as good well, but part of the, part of the thing with that is it's a microphone recording stuff that's coming out of speakers that aren't like in a sound room and stuff that are like yeah that's yeah. part of the reason why live music isn't as good recorded it, it's a lot better when you're actually there for sure but well, that's what i was gonna say is yeah once you're there like the feeling uh you know the community like it overcomes any of that even if you can't really hear what's happening necessarily like there's a, a communal feeling but anyway so you listen to you're not alone i know i showed you a couple songs um my general thoughts are that you know i love it it's one of no it is the most life-affirming album of music i've ever listened to uh and i know that me and you have this kind of dis not disconnect but kind of we talked about this before i listen to a lot of music that i listen to to feel that makes me feel good, makes me feel powerful or, or optimistic. Uh, I'm not, I'm not averse to music that makes me feel sad, but I don't actively seek it out. But you seem to, we've talked about this, you you seek out yeah. more complicated kind of depressing kind of music, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, definitely one of the things that I do. Um, that was one of the things with this album. I feel like a lot of the tracks were just like overtly like, Hey, be positive be positive and and yeah be positive and it's like okay i get it um <laughs> which i mean that that being said a lot of the tracks were in like the what i expected category like music is worth living for ever again party never dies keep on going those are all like what i expected because i mean with the name of the song it's like you know what the song's going to be about yeah for for any who don't know, Andrew WK, he's been around for like 20-some years. This is his first album in 12 years. He's known by some as the party god because he's, uh, he's just this really t – by the way, when I say really talented, I mean the guy was like a Juilliard piano player by the time he was like five or six. Like he's a prodigy who can play like every goddamn instrument, and he uses that skill to sing about partying. His most famous song literally being called Party Hard. So in a sense, kind of like what you're saying, Stevie, he doesn't really – tread a lot of different ground he sticks to his optimistic songs about uh feeling good about partying and not partying in the like oh we're gonna get drunk no he has a, a philosophy of what partying is he thinks and, it's like the most fun anyone could have so he's like why not make that what we call it kind of uh i mean he literally has um so on this album he has three tracks that are just spoken word because he's also a motivational speaker and uh the first track is called the feeling of being alive and in it he explains what the philosophy of partying is which is essentially uh embracing the feeling that something is wrong in your life acknowledging that that is the feeling of being alive and finding the the joy in that and like that's what he means when he says 
like party. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but it's really what he's saying. Uh, one thing I want to touch on, they were um, a couple songs that definitely stood out as like two of the ones that were like, I don't know, a little different in some ways. Like, I think Total Freedom, that song, if anyone wants to hear someone sing a song about like being a kid, that's what Total Freedom is. Because I mean, that, that song is is pretty good. But I think my favorite one on the album is I Hold Don't on, Know Anything. Hold on, before you... Oh, Okay one thing before i don't know anything which is is great i want to say the thing about total freedom i think is interesting is it's definitely i mean all the album is triumph but there's something specifically about the musical accompaniment in total freedom that makes it feel like a victory but at the same time he's singing about like what was right like you talk about you know being a kid there's something almost sad about total freedom like when i listen to total freedom i feel like like this is a triumph that makes me want to cry and i have a hard time explaining yeah. that yeah i don't know i liked that song a lot i thought it was pretty good as for i don't know anything that is a fun song that's all about hey you don't know everything and that's fine <laughs> i mean to be fair kind of like i said like pretty much all of his songs you can know what they're about by the title which is is pretty cool in its own way because it's like i don't know anything what is the song about i don't know that's that's what he's talking <laughs> about he doesn't know anything like, yeah, my my favorite song on the album is definitely uh, "Keep On Going," which, like you said, it's explained. It the whole song's just about hey, every time you know stuff goes wrong, you in your in your history, you kept on going. So since you've did it before, you can you can do it now. Like it's got a very "I get knocked down" feeling to it, but like just the chorus of "I get knocked down" extended into an, a more effective full song. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because it's more like what I got from that song is it's more about like it doesn't matter how like how many obstacles you get as long as you keep your eye on your goal you're gonna achieve it is is what it's going for which I think is really cool. Yeah, I, I heard or I remember reading some review of it that was talking about how so his first album in twelve years and there's no reason why at the beginning of this podcast we refer to this as the darkest timeline. Sure. You could say first world problems or whatever, but there are certainly arguments to be made that, you know, at least, uh, you know, you read the news or you see what's going on in the world. It feels like, you know, dark times. So an album like this, that's just positivity and, and life affirming. And I would say that like, I would recommend this album to anyone who can appreciate optistic bombast. Like that's how I would describe this album. And it's, it's kind of, I think, needed in a time like this hell even someone that just having a hard time and wants someone to like be there to tell them it's okay andrew wk will be there to tell you it's okay yeah like literally the the title track you're not alone is the last track on the album and i feel like it it ties together a lot of the you know separate ideas now admittedly all the ideas are in the same vein like we said of positivity but it kind of is the perfect way to end it where he's saying like your life is beautiful and you're not alone. And when he says you're not alone, it feels like he's sincerely saying that he is there for you, even though that, you know, is obviously not the case because he's one person, but it just, it feels like it. And that feeling is, I think what he's tapping into. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I definitely would recommend this album. Like, I don't I think also... there's any, anything on this, like out of the albums we're talking about, I don't think any of them would be considered bad albums. Like, objectively speaking, I don't think they could be considered bad albums. Sure. I mean, I didn't even, 
that's why I said like I didn't like the Brockhampton album too much, but I don't think it's a bad album. I think it had skill in it. It just wasn't what I was looking for. And just like I figured that you'd have the similar opinion of this album because I know this isn't generally the kind of music that you like. Yeah, but definitely I would definitely recommend it. It's definitely it's definitely worth a listen at the very least. And if you like it and you get a chance to see him live, which is rare because the guy doesn't tour as a art as a, a musician very often. He tours a lot as motivational speaker. But getting to see him on stage with his band, and I, I fought my way through the mosh pit, and I got to the front on the gate, so I was like, you know, ten feet from him. Like it was amazing experience. So, and it, well, just, I was gonna say the one, one fun little story. The last song he did, obviously, like they went off after an hour, and then the whole crowd started going, uh, ten more songs, ten more songs. So they came out and played like five more. And before the last one, he said, all right, we're all going to count down, count down with me. 89, 88. And he counted down all the goddamn way from 89 to zero before playing party hard. And it was amazing. Part of the, part of the problem about getting concerts with them too. It depends on what person is, uh, is playing the role of Andrew WK at the time too. <laughs> so there's, for those who don't know, there's a, a conspiracy theory that uh, the real Andrew WK was replaced in like 2008 or something like that. And that the real Andrew WK was some guy named Steve Mike. And that Andrew WK is like a corporate persona created by like a bunch of companies. And you know what, you know, if that conspiracy theory were somehow true, I don't care because the man is such a just ball of optimism and wonderfulness that I feel like he's just bringing positive in the world. And it's not like he's trying to sell you anything other than like his music. Like if he was trying to sell like Andrew WK brand jeans or something like that, that'd be one thing, but it's not how it works. So three months later, Andrew WK brand jeans. Uh. What were you saying chance? Uh. <laughs> anyway. Um, so the next album, we want to talk about is another one that uh that Stevie recommended. It's Forced Witness by Alex Cameron. And before I ask you to or before you explain anything, I gotta ask, what the hell did I listen to, Stevie? That's 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 an appropriate thing to ask. Um <laughs> uh also uh back in uh before I get into it, I also saw this guy live with our friend Dan um a few weeks ago like a month ago or so. You saw Alex Cameron um, live? That's cool. Yeah, he was in Boise. I actually got a shirt and we got a picture. That's what my current Facebook picture is, is a picture with uh, Roy Malloy, the guy that plays sax and Dan. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, no, like I'll get into a little bit of the album, but like what I have to say about live, I feel like his performance is even better live because of the fact that his voice is like just as good. Like it doesn't like need the studio quality. Like his voice just, translates very well to a live uh, a live concert type setting well i believe um, that okay uh what this is the whole like i was actually talking with dan about this when we were going to the, the run the jewels lord concert we were listening to some cameron and stuff um in this album he puts on a persona of like a creep in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah yeah like the like the whole waiting for my lover she's only 17 on stud muffin 96 Ugh. Yeah. Um yeah. He yeah, kind I of say like listening to the whole album. Yeah, I felt like the album is about quote unquote love and how it's complicated in the internet age. Like 
so many of his songs are about like him cheating on a real life girlfriend with some something on the internet, whether it's well, pornography or Well no no no. Like that's him getting catfished potentially, but he's okay with it. Because <laughs> of the fact no, because of the fact that like he's cheating on like his his girlfriend at the time with an online persona, but like he only gets pictures of the eyes. And he's like, I don't want people to know, but I have sent money and stuff. And so he's like aware that he's probably getting catfished, but he likes it because of the poetry. Because the well, person hell. that he's doing this with is like giving him poetry and he enjoys the poetry so much. It's like, what is happening? Well, hell, that song, that specific song is called uh, True Lies. And like the last lyric of the song is, I have this written down. Even if she's some Nigerian guy, yeah, well, you should read the poetry he speaks to me. I don't care if they're just beautiful lies. Yeah, no, um, he definitely has a weird persona. Like, to be fair, though, the guy kind of looks a little little like a creep, <laughs> so he kind of plays to that. Um, I got I, to I the third... To, oh, go ahead. I also need to say that I think that uh, the music videos uh, for this album are fantastic. Like, uh, <laughs> you've, you've actually seen these. Like, uh, last time Nils was in town. Yeah, uh, I saw Politics of Love, right? Politics of Love. uh, That's the one where it's like the credits roll. Yeah. Uh, You saw uh, Stranger's Kiss, too. The one where the chick and him are, like, dancing and stuff. She's, like, imitating him. And then there's also the Running Out of Luck one, which is where him and... They're Australian, too, just so you know. They're Australian. Oh, no. By the way, I got in... um, I think I got four songs in, and then suddenly I wrote down, is this the big enough guy? (laughs) Actually, he uh, collabed with Kieran J. Callanan, which did big enough, and he was in big enough. Um, Yeah, it just took me that long to realize it. (laughs) But, like, that... The music video, Running Out of Luck, is, like, a shitpost, if I've ever seen one. Because they're just, like, moving awkwardly and stuff. And then, like, Roy's sitting there, or standing there, like, holding a saxophone, just holding a pose. And then when it came time for him to play the saxophone, he's just, like, playing it in the same pose, basically. (laughs) And then Cameron, instead of, like, dancing awkwardly, he's, like, just sitting there, like, moving his head. It's like, what is happening? This is great, but this is weird. What is (laughs) happening? For the record, uh, Running Out of Luck was my favorite song on the album, like... So the whole uh, yeah. album, by the way, uh, style-wise, right, I would say it's very 80s-sounding. Like, when I first started listening to it, I was like, is this a Springsteen album? With oh, no, there's definite 80s influence here. Yeah, and this guy can write a melody. God damn, he can write a good melody and a good hook. Like, his lyrics are insane, and but that, that running but out of luck... But they're good and insane. They'll, like, yeah, coddle yeah. you at night, and you'll be like, ooh, I like this. <laughs> yeah, like the, Am I going to wear this later? <laughs> So like the hook and running out of luck is something like, cause there's blood on my knuckles, cause there's money in the trunk, and it's that's just been in my head also, since I listened to it. Just so you know too, I'm pretty sure the song he opened with was Stud Muffin '96, like <laughs> the live show. What the fuck? Yeah, uh, Stud Muffin '96. By the way, like as you're listening to it, you realize that that's probably his internet handle, hence the title of the song, cause he's talking about looking yeah. at. Uh, he has some line in the song where he says, um, yeah, he keeps repeating his lover is almost 17. And at the end, no, almost 18. Change. She's only 17, almost 18, right? Well, he, for most of the song, he says almost 17. Then the last verse, he changes it to oh, almost yeah, yeah. 18, implying that he's been talking with her for a year. Yeah. It's, it's um, creepy. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure my favorite song in the album, um, Running Out of Luck is definitely one of the stronger songs. 
I also think Marlon Brando is a very, very strong song. We need to talk about that song for a minute. But I think my favorite song on the album is Politics of Love. Like, it has a lot of really great lines. One of them in particular, riding on an eagle or riding on a rug. No politics in love. There right, are can no politics you, in love. Can you answer a question for me about Politics or Love? Because I listen to that, and he keeps on talking about voting, and I can't figure out what well, it is he's voting for. He, he, he changes what he says in that song a lot. Like, he'll be like, politics in love. There's no politics in love. It's politics or love. And then it's politics of love. Like it, it's, it's kind of a interesting digest to actually like sit down and listen to and be like, wait, what are you talking? You said there's no politics in love, but now you're saying you want to vote. Like what? Okay. What are you talking about? Like that takes a very deep dive, I think, because I, I think the overall, um, the overall theme of that is that there shouldn't be politics in love, but there are, at least that's what I got out of it. Like early mm-hmm. on, it's like, it, early on, it's like, oh, there's no politics in love. But then later on, I don't know. That that's what I get. Because I mean, you gotta admit that's kind of true. There are kind of. <laughs> but you still can't tell me what it is he's voting for. No, I don't know. Uh, it it could be anything really. Maybe he's right. voting to uh, make Australia safe. As for Marlon Brando, that seems to be a song about. Well, first of all, just musically, it's got a great hook, and it has what I swear is like a xylophone breakdown. At some point, which is that's what he closed with. That's what he closed with in the in the live show. (laughs) Dan was losing his shit because that's Dan's favorite song. The song appears to be about him seeing like some ex with some dude, and so then he picks a fight with the dude by calling the dude a faggot, a word I don't like. Uh, Okay, or maybe the dude calls him it. No, no, no. He said, "Tell that little faggot, call me faggot one more time." Is what he said in the in the song. Okay, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Basically in in this song he's he's kind of making fun of the people that act that way because he's saying wish I could tell her I could bench what he is. Like he's acting kind of like machismo in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, the song seems like a major dick waving contest. Oh, no, it is. But uh I don't know. It it's it's odd that it's as enjoyable as it is with the like context that it has, you know? Yeah, I, you know, after I finished listening to it, I was writing down my, my thoughts, and uh, <laughs> I wrote down I wrote down a consensus, and I want to just read this out because I thought so. I wrote down good album, glad I listened to it. Probably will never seek it out again unless I want to see the reaction on someone else's face. And then I then I put in parentheses. Except maybe just running out of luck. That rhythm is just great. And then I put, actually, scratch that. This album gets a thumbs up from me. So it's weird. It's got an 80s vibe. And <laughs> the guy's really talented folks. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is just the beginning of his career, too. It's only his second album. I, I could see him going places, for sure. I would like to, you know, I was about to say, I'd like to hear an album of his that isn't about a creeper on the internet, but I have a feeling that whatever his next subject material is going to be is going to be creepy in a different way. <laughs> so. Well, one thing, too, though, I'm, I'm pretty sure the dude just, like, a really good guy, because whenever we, like, in the concert, we were, um, like, all cheering and, and stuff whenever he would finish a song. But pretty much every song he finished, he's like, yeah, give it up for my uh, friend and business partner, Roy Malloy on Horn. And he, like, made sure that people knew that Roy was, like, a big part of the act and stuff, too, and giving him the credit and not just, like, 
and like all the shirts are like Cameron and Molloy, like on mm. on the shirts. I that think that's really good. Yeah. Um. Not to mention there was this. Okay, there was this moment in um in the in the show when he took a break for a minute and he gave the mic to Roy and Roy was like, "Oh, it's nice being back in Boise because uh this is actually the first place that I didn't know this, but this is the first place that they actually had a show at in the states." was Boise, Idaho, is what he said. And then he was like, as with all of the shows, we're going to have Roy review the stool. And then he reviewed the stool he was sitting on. He's like, it's, it's a pretty good stool. It's, uh, it's got, it's got four legs. And he like goes on for like eight minutes reviewing the stool and at what he thought of it. And I'm like, is this actually happening? This is fantastic. But what? Yeah, I, I would say – so the kind of humor that these guys seem to employ, if – we made a reference earlier to something called Big Enough, which is a song with a music video on YouTube that you can look up. Look that up if this is – if any of this piqued your interest, good or bad, look that up. And if it makes you laugh it's at all, if, if it makes you giggle, then you should give this album a shot, <laughs> like the whole album. Yeah, it's, it's definitely definitely worth a listen. I wouldn't recommend it if it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so the next album on our list that we're going to push right through here is one that has a, a lot of baggage with me, which is uh, Hardwired to Self-Destruct by Metallica in 2016. Like I said, I, I grew up with Metallica. The, you mentioned the first albums you bought being like Eminem and Modest Mouse. The first albums I bought were the first three Metallica albums plus Led Zeppelin IV uh, when I got my CD player when I was like 12 or something like that. So I this was my thing. When I was the snob in high school, it was Metallica, Led Zeppelin. And then Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and then of course Metallica went through um, you know, a major dark time, which you know, different fans are gonna say when it started versus you know, they're gonna have different opinions of it. Like for instance, I actually don't think the albums load and reload are bad. There are bad parts of them, but put together and cut out the fat and you would have one really solid album, I think. But there's no insane anger. Uh, there's no defending Saint Anger. No, 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 no. Uh, Saint Anger's got maybe one worthwhile song, but even and that's even Saint that Anger, is, obviously. <laughs> even that's plagued by uh, the snare yeah, drum, which is and, so and very, bad. Honestly, all of Saint Anger has very poor production. Like, yeah, on that album, it's it's no. Uh-uh. And Death Magnetic is really not a whole lot better it's got like all nightmare long i really like but that's the only song i can remember from it in comparison to saint anger it's better (laughs) but yeah i I feel like this album is definitely metallica's like return to form in a lot of ways that being said uh i feel like there were like six of the songs that were like kind of weaker but six of the songs were like definitely stronger so that's half and half actually yeah so with Hardwired to Self-Destruct, you know, I was listening to it, and um, I mean, the thing that the thing I kept thinking of is that it's fine. <laughs> like that's it. It just well, it felt I, like standard, you know. I think it was a very good album opener, though. Like I think it was kind of nice to see Metallica start returning to form with that and Atlas Rise. Like both of those songs are like kind of like I don't know, meme potatoes when you think of Metallica. They're like yeah, the Atlas like, Rise is really the type good. Of, the type of the type of song that you would think Metallica would do um, with with those two. Um, yeah, I definitely know what you mean when you say that they're like six songs or some feel. So this album is mostly mid tempo based. So like it's it feels a lot like that 
you know, black album load reload kind of era of Metallica. And the, my problem is there's only two songs on this album that really stand out to me. Cause I didn't even like hardwired all that much. It was a little too simple, I guess, but I liked Atlas rise. And my favorite song was spit out the bone, which is the, the last song on the album. But like yeah. that whole middle section, basically from like song from like, uh, am I savage up until Oh, at the bone like that whole section just is like the same song in the same tempo uh, and yeah i think spit out the bone was definitely a really like good callback to getting like the same tempo as hardwired because like that's the last song in the album hardwired is the first and they have very similar tempos um which is is really cool however okay let, let's talk about a couple of the bad songs because i want to talk about a couple of the bad songs uh, like, my least favorite song for the record was Am I Savage, which disappointed oh, the hell oh, out of me. The only redeeming factor, the only redeeming quality of this video, of this music, is the video. Like, it has, like, very weird levels of Uncanny Valley. Yeah. And it's kind of And it's kind of uncomfortable to watch, but you can't look away. It's like a bad car accident. You're like... <laughs> what is happening? Like, it, it's got... a whole bunch of people in, like, bodysuits, man. Like, Ooh. like like white bodysuits and there's one dude that isn't in a bodysuit and it's like what is happening and the guy like breaks down and shit and i'm like you should check out that music video like <laughs> put on you if you want to check out that music video it is very strange huh i'm gonna have to check it out i, I think i got pissed off at am i savage more than otherwise because so it's a song about werewolf and i loved of wolf and man like of wolf and man was one of my favorite metallica songs but of wolf and man is filled with energy and life and this song is dull and lifeless. It's so boring. Wait, wait, you said that was about a werewolf? Am I Savage? Yeah, like there's all the references to the full moon and transforming. It's it's about, it's like, it's supposed to, it seems like it's supposed to be the sequel to Elf, Wolf, and Man, but it's just did, so lame in comparison. Did, did you know that Here Comes Revenge? Did you watch any of the music videos or no? No, I watched none of the music videos. I just listened to the album. Here Comes Revenge is about like a were-hyena guy, man, thing. Really? It's another bad song. That well, only... Here Comes Revenge, I was, like, listening to it, and I couldn't figure out... First of all, like, Here Comes Revenge frustrated me because the verses, like, the regular verses, are kind of clever, but the chorus is so dumb and so cliches and just using the word revenge over and over again. I was when, like... When I heard the line, I was born in Anger's Flame, I'm like, does that mean this was inspired by St. Anger? Maybe you should go back to that album. <laughs> uh, gross yeah 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 like all in all i thought that this album this album made me realize something though which is i don't know what i want from metallica anymore like because this album feels standard like what i expect like the base standard of what i expect from metallica but i don't know what i like want from them <laughs> so I, it feels almost I unfair think, i think that i want them to not release an album with half of the tracks that are dead maybe just instead of releasing an album with two discs release it with one disc that's good like yeah really good like they should just cut out songs seven through eleven like just that chunk get rid of those and you have a pretty... i don't know man confusion is probably my favorite song on on the album i like that song a lot oh more power to you i i like that it was a march but i felt like it was a poor retread of of better songs like sanitarium oh. and disposable heroes yeah, I don't so, know. I, I thought it was kind of a good callback to it, but uh, I don't know. There was I mean, also I... uh, 
Murder Go One. Did Murder One is a tribute to Lemmy Kilmser? Uh, yeah, Kilmser, from Motorhead or whatever. From Motorhead, and like it's a tribute to him. And the guy uh, Robert Valley that like animated all the Gorillas videos animated that. So that's an interesting thing to note as well. Yeah, I uh, I feel like that song, unless you like, unless you looked it up, you wouldn't really know that it was a tribute. But anyway, I was. When I was younger, I liked longer songs and longer albums, but now this, you know, an hour and 20 minutes of this album, it just feels bloated and long, and I just wished it was tighter. So cutting out, like, four or five songs would could have made a much, like, better experience. I mean, my favorite Metallica album is Ride the Lightning, probably the tightest album they ever released. Ride the Lightning is a pretty good album. Yeah. Anyway, we're... Uh... Gotta, gotta move on. So the the next album that we oh well to close up I'll say that you know I still respect Metallica but I feel like I you know I don't know what I want from them. So anyway, so the next album that we have to talk about is and I'm see if I have to read this Flying Microtonal Banana by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, who I'm going to see in June with Stevie. We're going to see them. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love this band. Uh, okay, I'm going to say right now, this is going to be mostly to you, because while I have a lot of notes written about King Gizzard and Lizard Wizards flying microtonal banana, all in all, I can say, so this is a very 60s-sounding psych, psych rock, rock band, yeah. and the musicianship on display here is excellent. It's superb, like, especially the two drummers. Like, the the drum yeah. tracks are amazing. Seven Seven band members, two drummers, pretty good, pretty good. The problem, though for me is that because it is psych rock it puts me to sleep i listened to this album through twice and both times i struggled to stay awake not because it's bad but because it's so good and relaxing it just puts me to sleep what about the song sleep drifter i'm assuming you like that song there's actually a song called sleep drifter on the album. yeah and even so like i i think my notes for sleep drifter yeah and my notes i have in all caps oh come on this song is called sleep drifter i might as well uh, call this band lullabies for adults what would uh, your favorite song be on the album? My favorite song is either Open Water or Billabong Valley. It, it's hard to pick because since uh, I was sleepy, they all kind of blend together for me. I Billabong like, Valley. Uh, uh. <laughs> I like, okay, here's the thing I like about Billabong Valley. I like the Billabong Valley was different. Like it sounded very different from the rest of the Yeah, the it's like a Western kind of. Yeah, that's. I think that's why I liked it because of how different it sounded. Like the tone sounds like a dirge for this that's, hero that they're talking about this like, that's actually why i didn't like it is just because of how jarring the difference of like cadence was um, okay that that's fair <laughs> my my favorite is doom city just because it starts out so dirty and you're like ooh, ooh, good shit's gonna happen Ooh, yeah. well and then, I, like, I, it connects to nuclear fusion very well i feel like both of those are like two parts of the same song in a lot of ways I also think it's important to note that this is a band where the instruments are first and foremost. I actually feel like the the lyrics only exist as like almost requirements because a lot of the lyrics are really either simple or repetitive. Like you talk about Doom City and like a good, I don't know, 40% of the song is just them going do 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 Doom City, do 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 Doom City. Yeah, I mean, rattlesnake. Oh, yeah, that was that was the album worst. Opener. <laughs> Again, I, I think the album is good. If anything, these musicians are really talented. It's just that the lyrics are not the reason you listen to this album. Yeah, they they kind of just like use the lyrics to kind of complement the like the way the instruments are working. Like they don't rely on voice or anything. Which there's actually an album they have that 
you might be more interested in if you're looking at lyrics because they released five albums last year like Jeez. that's kind of yeah that's kind of crazy but it was um the death of the universe i believe mm-hmm. uh like it has a whole bunch of like voiceover like kind of creepy weird it, i would definitely give that one a listen to that one's dan's favorite from last year mm. i uh i feel like it's almost unfair to say this, but I feel like I don't do nearly enough drugs to really get into this band. <laughs> so it's psych rock. So <laughs> I mean, that's fair, I guess. They use a lot of reed instruments too, I think, which are like I don't hear that in music ever. That's pretty crazy stuff. There's some interesting breakdowns. I don't know what microtonal tuning is, but apparently it's a big fixture of this album, and I think it probably contributes to that like that feeling of you know grooviness. Again, I, I recommend this to anybody who definitely wants to hear some like relaxing rock, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty good, pretty good album. You have any closing statements on it? Uh, try to get through all five albums that they put out last <laughs> <Cool>. year. <laughs> yeah, like I said, when I go to see them live, or when we go to see them live, I'm sure I won't have the the same like sleepy problem because you know environment and friends and stuff. But as I think it's gonna be a pretty chill concert. <laughs> Anyway, um, so the last album that we're going to talk about is my current favorite album, period. It's also one that is not very well known. It's called uh, Helion Prime by the band Helion Prime because it's their debut album. And it is power metal. It is pretty straight power metal about space. Like, this is not a lyrically complex band right now. <laughs> and I know that Stevie here, we had a, a little chat before and i know he's not a huge fan of this album which is fine but since power metal is my preferred genre right now and this is like my favorite album of that genre okay it's not that i'm not a huge fan of this album it's that i'm not a fan of power metal really at all like i'm not opposed to like trying new music and stuff it is power metal is so like it's so busy and it's so so this band named their band and the album the titular album as a reference to uh freaking chronicles of riddick like it's a planet from chronicles of riddick helian prime they have a song on the album called keep what you kill which is about the necromongers i don't even like chronicles of riddick that much i didn't get the reference until after i'd bought the album like uh but yeah most of their songs are about like space and they're because it's power metal it's very uplifting stuff it's um i mean their their single from the album is called life finds a way which is all about how life will find a way no matter what happens to the planet it's uh, actually one of the better songs in my opinion yeah my my favorite songs on it i love uh, into the black hole which is literally not more complicated than a song about what uh, about a, a, a spaceship captain essentially like flying around a black hole and just kind of talking about that experience. And my favorite song is definitely Ocean of Time, which is no more complicated than a song about how awesome time travel would be. <laughs> so it's also yeah. how I saw these guys live last year, and that's what they ended their set with was Ocean of Time, which was awesome. Ocean of Time is definitely uh, one of the better ones, too. I think I would say my favorite of the album would be Life Finds a Way. But Ocean of Time, Life Finds a Way. My question for you, why... Is Into Alien Train not a full song? Like that No, I will I will accept that. Into the Alien Train is their intro and it's just them talking about it's having a voice talking about that song was fucking cool. Like I'm like, why is this only like a minute and a half? What what what? Like, (laughs) come on. This would have been 
yeah no this would have been yeah it's their tone setter because it's all about them saying that like there's definitely alien life in the universe like that's what into the alien terrain is about um which leads into the drake equation which is literally a mathematical formula that tells us that there's almost certainly life in the stars um one thing i definitely like to say about this album is there's a song on it called apollo the eagle has landed the song's pretty good but there's a, a line that um is you know one small step for man one giant leap for mankind they just have that as a lyric but now because of that i will never hear that phrase without hearing the singing version of it which is like it with their tempo so like they've kind of i don't know poisoned is maybe the wrong word but they've they've flavored that quote for me now <laughs> pretty cool uh i feel like most of the the songs like on the album though were just like in the category of like what i expected which would have been like sounds more like a typical power metal or what i would think of typical power metal would be um that would be like the majority like not by much but majority like four or five songs Sure, sure. And and Helium Prime's only like three years old as a band or something like that. And they've gone through they've got a decent number of like fans online and uh this is not a, like a very well known band yet, so I look for any excuse I can get to try to like spread it a bit. <laughs> They're coming out supposedly with a new album this year, which I'm looking forward to. But yeah, um you're not wrong in that the the album is pretty like if you're it's pretty standard as power metal goes. Like it's not it's not like Dragon Force level of the same thing over and over again, but uh, you know they are singing pretty consistently about space, the amazingness of space and things in space and sci-fi, and it's it's very geek metal in a way. Can you use can you use space in a sentence to define them at least six more times, please? Yes, but I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that that thing to finish up about Helium Prime is definitely if you're if you like power metal, give them a shot. As simple as that. <laughs> or symphonic metal, because they kind of touch on that. So we are, uh, with six albums to talk about, we're kind of pushing on time here. So do you have any closing statements with Helium Prime? Uh, if you like power metal, listen to them. <laughs> All right, rep- repetition. Okay, sure, sure. Well, anyway then, uh, so we have our, these are six albums that we collectively agree are worth giving a listen to whether you like them or not i for instance i don't probably ever plan to listen to um that saturation three again but i'll probably give saturation one and two a listen so you showed me something new like i definitely think that that three like i said is the weakest i would personally probably put two above one but i'm not sure they're like two and one are like a lot closer in quality but i mean I don't think I'll like seek out other King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard albums. Like I like them, but since they put me to sleep, it's more like a at the end of a long night of drinking. Maybe I'll put it on the YouTube or something. <laughs> so I feel like part of the problem with King Gizzard, or at least their albums last year, they put they put out five albums, whereas the previous year they only put out one album. And I feel like this year they should try to like only put out like one or two and like focus more on like what they're doing. Because a couple of the albums were considerably weaker last year, but... As far as introducing me to new music, though, Stevie, I am glad you introduced me to Alex Cameron. Like, as weird as an experience that was, I plan to seek out more of his music. <laughs> yeah. No, Alex Cameron, I think, is is important in terms of, like, he's just kind of a shit poster. But it's like a shit post you enjoy. And then uh, I'm just doing a, a wrap up here if you haven't figured that out. Uh, as for um, Metallica, 
uh, Hardwired Self-Destruct is better than their last like three albums, so if you're looking for some kind of hope, give it a listen. <laughs> uh, but, but expect about half of them to be not good. Yeah, Andrew WK is, next time you feel depressed and you want to listen to something happy, really give this You're Not Alone by Andrew WK. Give that a shot. I highly recommend that. And uh, since we ended with Helium Prime, I'm not going to bother wrapping up them. We talked about them last. So... To to quote to quote the 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 one portal guy space <laughs> their gimmick is space <laughs> for those Steven Universe fans out there anyway uh, so do you have any suggestions for the week Stevie uh, well the 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 biggest one is especially since this is a music episode you need to go right now listen to Bat Metal Forever like <laughs> it is the latest in the series of the bat metal uh and it is i feel better than the second one i feel like they've been getting better and better and this one is just well why don't you explain what bat metal is to anyone who might not know uh-huh. well there was a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away there's a show on adult swim called metalocalypse and there was a band on that show called death clock and they had some songs and a, there's two dudes that are animated batman they're animating Batman and like the like all the Robins and stuff into music videos for Death Clock. That's that's what you need to know. It's that ridiculous, and it <laughs> has like it has like twelve references a minute <laughs> minimum per per music video. It's it's legitimately ridiculous how many references they put in there and the amount of detail they put in it. Like in this new one, when when Bruce Wayne is launching Overwatch, they went as far as to in the Battle.net like system tray thing they went as far as to have all of the icons for like warcraft diablo starcraft hearthstone they have all of them in the default order i know this because i opened up mine to check they're all in the default order except for overwatch is in the top it's like wait they took the effort to like they probably just copied what they had for their like <laughs> battle net launcher and it's like you know i can respect that they took the time to like clearly make each icon visible and it's like okay there's just like that much detail in like every scene which is it's pretty awesome and the animation is both like beautiful and gross disgusting yeah Yeah. there's a lot of scenes that are very disgusting but there are some scenes where it's like (laughs) fluid like in bat metal 2 there's a scene of red robin like solo playing the guitar and its animation is so fluid it's like amazing Battle Forever has a similar scene with uh, Damian Wayne on drums that just looks amazing. Yeah, because it has all of the Robins. There's Red Robin, uh, yum. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Red Robin under the... Well, Red Hood, uh, Damian Wayne, um, and then... uh, Nightwing. Nightwing. So it has, like, all of the Robin renditions. And the latest one, they're, they're trying to bring Joker back to life. And all of those fun things they could do to bring him back to life. And Bad Girl maybe, shows up, maybe. and they animate her a lot. They did you did you notice that when they were like bringing him back to life, they like showed what looked like an Oni cartoon of Ron and Harry from Harry Potter. Yep. And then it and then it jumped to was was it Gravity Falls? Yeah, Gravity Falls. It jumped to Gravity Falls, and then it jumped to like Ash from Evil Dead, and he had the yep. Necronomicon, and then Bruce Wayne took it from him, which, which... kind of leads us into. My suggestion of the week is Ash versus Evil Dead, which is the uh, Netflix continuation of the Evil Dead trilogy. And I didn't grow up with Evil Dead. I only got into Evil Dead like 
this year. I was always aware of it, obviously, but I was not really into horror movies other than some things like Nightmare okay. on Elm Street. And this, this isn't a horror movie. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Here's the thing that's great about Ash vs. the Evil Dead as a series is that it can be legitimately scary and creepy, but it's also hilarious. You know, it's kind of what Evil Dead is, right? So, like, Bruce Campbell as the titular Ash is amazing to watch. Like, he's, he's just he's like, he's a complete burnout in everything in his life except for killing like demons that's like the only thing that he could do good <laughs> which he's really good at so if you're an evil dead fan who somehow hasn't picked up ash versus the evil dead i finished the first season and i'm a few episodes in the second season it is totally in keeping with the original movies it it stands up very well on its own and it is worth watching and even if you're not a fan of the original evil dead if the idea of a horror comedy like with a super charismatic lead is at all appealing. Like if you're a fan of things like Cabin in the Woods, like give Ash vs. Well, Evil Dead a shot. Another another important thing to note uh with Ash vs. Evil Dead is Sam Raimi is like in, responsible for it. Like he was responsible for Army of Darkness, like all of the Evil Dead movies. And mm -hmm. he's actually doing the show as well. He's doing the T V series. Like it's uh, the same creator. And watching it I feel like and I can't remember a director who's as skilled with like camera movements as Sam Raimi is like he uses them to such great effect. Yeah, no, um, I I've I've actually seen uh both seasons and it was it was pretty enjoyable. Like some weird moments, some moments you would expect from something like Evil Dead, but I mean pretty enjoyable. There's if you need a gore quota for like a month, <laughs> you can watch an episode of Evil Dead or a season, I don't know, whatever your quota is. Just just go ahead and, and watch it. I don't remember ever seeing a television show with more blood in it than Asher's Evil Dead. It's so much blood. Uh, and that's only, that's barely connected to my, my other suggestion for the week, which is um, Scooby Natural, the Scooby-Doo Supernatural crossover. Now I haven't watched Supernatural since season eight, and even that was three seasons too long. But <laughs> Scooby Natural is goddamn hilarious, and it's it's a 45-minute uh you know, episode movie thing that you need no context for the season to get. Just check it out. It's hilarious and wonderful to see the the characters interact, especially since Dean, of course, is a Scooby Doo fan. So nice. Anyway, I don't not much to say about that other than like even a non supernatural fan necessarily well, not a non supernatural fan. Someone like me who got tired of supernatural, go back and watch this. Just this episode. Uh anyway. Steve, do you have anything else before we, we uh, close out to recommend or suggest? Uh, I guess uh, I, I guess touching back on the music of the of the episode, I think that if there's anything that I have to say, you need to open your like broaden your horizons a little bit. Don't be like, oh, I don't want to listen to that music. Like, just try new things. You might find something you really like. You might find something that like really speaks to you. So, I mean. Give music another chance if you've given up on it. <laughs> I very much agree with that sentiment. As you know, someone who used to be extremely anti-rap, and then suddenly I discovered Kendrick, and it just opened up. It blew my mind. <laughs> so, like, yeah, be open. I, I agree with that sentiment entirely. Anyway, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, leave a comment down below if you want. And, you know, tell us something you'd like to hear in a future podcast. We are on uh, Twitter and Patreon, and we'll put links in the thingamabob below. 
As always, this has been Axel Wright. Thank you again, Stevie, for filling in for Lord Commander Ulrich. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable. <laughs>